Well, aloha from Maui, Hawaii, and welcome to the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. My name is Michael Benner. Here we are live, 1 o'clock in the afternoon on the west coast of the United States, 4 o'clock in the east. It's 21 hours GMT, or Universal Coordinated Time now, as uh, most people have made the switch back to standard time. Today we're going to talk about the American dream, how it's become an American nightmare, and how to promote in our own lives and support in the lives of our friends and our community a major paradigm shift, a non-political, even apolitical redefinition of the American dream. Uh, it's time to take another look. <laughs> something, something is rotten, and Denmark is not to blame. Uh, something's gone very, very wrong. And again, to talk about it in a political context is to simply say the kinds of things that we've all heard too much of anyway. And it also suggests that there must be political solutions. Because of the nature of this mystery school, the solutions we're looking for, of course, are going to be consciousness solutions, a matter of education and awareness of insight and understanding, first to promote that within ourselves, and then to help stimulate that expanded view, uh, that corrected view of what is the American dream, and what can be the global dream, the dream for humanity. And we'll redefine that, talk about how to, how to redefine that today. And um, at least in the United States, uh, the so-called American dream is, by many accounts, rooted in the Declaration of Independence. Uh, or it might be the first part of the Constitution, but I think it's in the Declaration where um, there is a reference to all men being created equal, this egalitarian sense of equality of some sort, like equal before the law, perhaps. Obviously, we're not equal beings. We're all different. Everybody has their particular talents and gifts and, and certain areas where they're not so gifted or so talented. And, you know, viva la différence, that's, that's great. So we're not equal in every sense, but egalitarian is some sense of equality, anyway, uh, equal before the law, perhaps. And then that phrase, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Well, life, what are you going to do with that word? Liberty, of course, is freedom. Um, again, certain constraints to liberty, certain constraints to freedom. There are constraints even to free speech, the classic Supreme Court decision about not shouting fire in a crowded theater is an example of a constraint, a reasonable one on free speech. Slander, libel, defamation of character, 
there are restraints on these freedoms. I have freedom to drive a car, but you have to buckle up and stop on the red lights and, <laughs> you know, stay under the posted speed limit. There are restrictions on the freedoms that we accept. And then there's supposed to be a healthy tension between conservative and progressive, a nice, healthy, um, sort of like the polarity of a bar magnet, you know, where you have these these opposites that are pulling upon each other and creating this this field in the middle of rational debate. Um, America has gone beyond being polarized at this point uh, to being monarchistic, uh, completely binary in our thinking. Um, this is promoted, of course, by the media. Uh, right-wing talk radio is really where it began. I see the, the, the seminal parts of this black or white thinking, everything or nothing, um, absolutist belief system coming out of right-wing talk radio. And a lot of it comes out of hatred. All of it comes from fear. And it puts people in a fight-or-flight response where you're either with us or against us. And anything in the middle is wishy-washy to a right-winger or uh, nuanced or conciliatory. <laughs> when, in fact, that's where the truth is found. You know, the truth is always in the heart of things. It's, it's not this or that. It's this and that. Well, this absolutist thinking is part of the problem. We have to understand third-way thinking or middle-way thinking. We have to understand like a, like a football field that end zones are nice for scoring points, but essentially are out of bounds. The playing field is the middle, from zero to the 50 and back to zero again. That's the playing field. That's the middle, the full swing of the pendulum. You see, this is, uh, again, where truth is found, where the heart and soul of things is found. The relative truths, I'm going to say it again, the relative truths that the absolutists refuse to recognize. Now, sometimes a philosophically-minded person will be challenged. Well, if all truth is relative, is there any absolute truth? And esoterically, this has been dealt with over the years as, yes, uh, absolute truth is divinity, uh, the source of spirit. And material is seen as a manifestation or an outpicturing, a reflection, if you will, of spirit or energy and that ultimately it's all just energy in one form or another. And whatever is its source would be absolute. Like the top of the pendulum that is fixed and unmoving, eternal and infinite. But as you come down the string of the pendulum, of course, the, uh, the weighted bottom is swinging uh, farther and farther, wider and, and wider, revealing that even though the top is absolute and fixed, the bottom is relative and dynamic, and truth is found with 
a blend of this and a little bit of that and a smidgen of this and a drop of that, you see. Plus, you have to be flexible at the same time and say, well, you know, I respect that that's your truth in a situation like this, but my truth is a little bit different than yours. And if both of you have the intention of finding what's true for you, that has to be honored and respected. Okay. Now, having said this much, I want to go back to this phrase, life, liberty, and now the third part, the pursuit of happiness. Because this is so much a part of our culture. And it's so really incorrect that happiness is something that should be pursued. That we have to challenge this as being part of what's wrong with the standard definition of the American dream. Often home ownership is held out as a prime example of what is meant by the American dream. For to own a home would be to separate yourself from the poor. You're now middle class. And the great American middle class that came out of the educational opportunities after World War II um, is not to be denied. And companies grew, and people who were loyal to companies found the company was loyal to them. 30 years, you had a big dinner, they gave you a gold watch and a plaque and (laughs) retired you. And I'm old enough to remember that it wasn't that long ago, right, before we ever heard of golden parachutes or uh, U.S. tax breaks for outsourcing jobs. So somebody comes in, like Carly Fiorina into Hewlett-Packard, for example, uh, ships all the jobs overseas, or people work for a fraction of what people will work for in the United States because they're impoverished, right? They, they have to live on a few dollars a day in these countries. So Hewlett-Packard ships all these jobs overseas. All this money is saved, given to the stockholders, some of it, and much of it kept by the CEO who devised the scheme. And uh, in Carly Fiorina's case, they finally ran her out of there because uh, they realized she was bleeding them dry, but they gave her, like, I think it was a $40 million or $35 million uh, retirement deal just to go away, right? I mean, obscene amounts of money. And... Um, What is she doing now? Running for the Senate of the United States with that kind of management philosophy. What's wrong with the American dream primarily and what's turned it into a nightmare in a word is materialism. We're putting profit, property, status, and prestige, uh, the appearance of power, in the physical world, 
ahead of people and love. If we put profit ahead of people, the society will decay and crumble. It cannot stand on such a corrupt philosophy that money and things could be more important than people. Our relationship with people is based on love, which is eternal. Love never dies. Love is the only thing that lasts. In fact, it's the only thing that has permanency to it, is love. Not just as an emotion now, but as conscious awareness itself. All right. That has a loving feeling to it, a feeling of harmony, a, being, a feeling of unity, of, of being uh, indeed a part of this one life, this, this one thing. So not just love as an emotion, but love as the consciousness of the one life and the experience of that. That's real. That's true. Okay. Materialism will always be unfulfilling. It always has been. Even when we were little kids and we just had to have this game or whatever for Christmas or else, just had to have the new bike or roller skates or whatever. And um, so Christmas comes and you get a few of these things that you wanted and you're stoked for about an hour and a half. And then you can feel by dinner <laughs> that enthusiasm fading. People who are shopaholics know the same rush of the hunt, shopping, hunting for that bargain. You know, feeling your breath being taken away when you find this great deal, this great gotta-have-it bargain. Doesn't matter if we have the money for it anyway, uh, any longer. You just plunk down the plastic to make it easy. Only 30% interest. Put it on the card. Take it home. Dun -dun 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 -dun. And within a day or two, you can feel it fading. It's just not the same. The new car that you promised you were going to wash every week and buff every month uh, suddenly is not that important to you. It was when you first got it, but, you know, after that first shopping cart runs into the side, <laughs> you got all these rationalizations and these excuses. It's, it's very exciting the the pursuit of material goods, but this is not the pursuit of happiness. It's the pursuit of material goods. And the problem with materialism, when it's out of balance, when it's the destination, when it's the point of it all, is that it tends to overshadow the greater truth that happiness is found in relationships with human beings and the way you feel and the way they feel and the way you feel about the way they feel and how that's communicated back and forth. 
That will always be more important than material goods. But material goods have gotten really cool. <laughs> We've got computers and iPods and iPads and iPhones and all these really cool gadgets. And now you're texting like if you don't have input from your 50 best friends every 10 minutes about where they are and what they're doing, well, your world is just going to come to a screeching halt. And then what? Out on the search, out on the hunt. Something to look forward to. Something to look forward to. Right? I'm going to dangle my own carrot out in front of myself. Right? I can forget that I put it there and and pursue that that carrot, that goal, that stuff, that material stuff, that if only I had enough of it, here's the story we tell ourselves, if only I had enough money or stuff, I could get to a place where there are no problems. See, I could get it together. Because so many of our problems are the result of not having enough money that you just believe that if only you had more money, you wouldn't have these problems. Well, maybe you wouldn't, but <laughs> you'd have others. You'd have the kinds of problems people have when they have lots of money. So you may say, well, I'd rather, I'd rather be rich than poor. Fine. Just know that that's not going to solve your problem you will still have problems. And that's the pursuit of happiness, the pursuit of material stuff, is the pursuit of a place where I won't have any problems. And you're not going to get there. Not in this world, in this life. You see? Unless you become as accepting as a Zen monk and decide they're really not problems at all, they're just life in process, and if you watch them long enough, they're going to unfold and resolve themselves anyway, even if you don't torment yourself over it. Wring your hands and worry and tell yourself a thousand tales of woe about how your life's going to fall apart if you don't solve these problems. And the Zen monk would laugh and say, <laughs> whose problem? What makes it a problem? That you wish it to be other than it actually is, is the problem. Why not just accept that it is what it is? Well, I don't like that. <laughs> well, how do you know? It's like, you don't like asparagus because when you were four years old, you decided you didn't like it. And now you're 40 and you've never even gone back to try it because you know you don't like it. <laughs> How do you know this is a problem? It may be different than, than what you expected. It may be a different circumstance or situation than what you really want. Well, how do you know this is not in your best interest? 
They're always judging everything as right or wrong or good or bad. This is a good thing. Well, maybe not. Maybe it's a bad thing. Okay, it's a bad thing. Well, but maybe not. It (laughs) might be a good thing. And most likely it's going to fall in the middle and be a little good and a little bad. Not necessarily the 50-yard line. could be anywhere, the 60, 40, 30, 70, 90, 10. could be anywhere, 51, 49. Somewhere in the middle, some blend of good and bad, right and wrong. I wish I had of, I wish I had not of, uh, you know, somewhere in the middle. But we torment ourselves over trying to get to some place some destination, some goal, some degree of prosperity where we won't have these problems, wouldn't wouldn't it make a lot more sense if we're going to redefine the American dream? That we, we redefine this pursuit of happiness and consider that happiness is not something that you pursue. Material things might be something you pursue. Money, my status, uh, job promotion, upward mobility, you might want to pursue that. But the pursuit of happiness, the expectation that as you get that stuff, it's going to make you happy. That's the lie. That's the lie that is in every television commercial, every radio spot, every print ad is the lie that this will make you happy. This will make you happy. The pursuit of happiness, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It's like a fish chasing water. Failing to realize that water is all around it. Water is its medium. Happiness is your medium. It is all around you. It is a quality of love, and it is therefore everywhere equally present. There is happiness in every moment. Okay? I think... Another one of our problems in this regard, just as we tend to think of love as an emotion, we think of happiness as an emotion. And when I say happiness is a quality of love, I don't mean the emotion of happiness is a quality of the emotion of I love you, baby. <laughs> say, well, that makes me happy. Yeah, they're, they're related. No question. But we're talking here about happiness as contentment, as fulfillment, as a quality of love, as love truth or consciousness, the awareness, the 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 this is what religious people call the soul, or the Buddhists would call this nirvana. Ah, the exhalation and the relaxation and the acceptance that you're finally here, except you've always been here. It's not a destination. It's everywhere equally present. 
and we can learn to be happy for no reason. By trusting that every problem is largely a problem only because you've decided with your thoughts that things ought to be different than they really are. And you're going to second-guess life and force things into compliance, situations, events, circumstances, relationships, opportunities. You're going to force them into a mold. With goals and destinations and and outcomes in mind that look a certain way. And then we hold on to the appearance, to the image of, this is the way I want it to look, this is the way I want it to be, and I'm going to torment myself throughout my life. Anytime the reality of a situation is different than I desire. Without realizing that Everything is in process. Every, everything is unfolding for a reason. Everything is happening exactly as it should. The, the Christian Bible even says um, all things work together for good. You see, all things work together for God. For those who love, you see, an important little phrase for those who have love in their hearts for those who are awake who are conscious who know that people are more important than material goods and that we live in the world but we don't have to be of it and we get to have nice things but know that the important part of life is not the pursuit or acquisition of these nice things, but our loving relationships with our family, with our friends, with our community, through service groups and clubs and charitable foundations. This is where we should be putting our time and energy, not in isolating ourselves even, even more and, and, and reaching out by text message. Okay. This is harder in a big city, which is why I, I really support the idea of de-urbanization, getting people in America to leave the cities, and anything that uh, various levels of government could do to incentivize or promote the de-urbanization of America. I mean, if you could get a good deal on a little bit of land someplace, just a few acres, where you knew you could grow enough food for your family and then some, with, you know, very little effort. It's not that much work. And uh, you'd still have your Internet, right? Um that would solve a lot of problems, energy problems, um, <laughs> overall anxiety problems as people got closer to the earth and back in touch with things. But again, we tend to think either or. 
Look in the middle. Look for compromise. Look for balance. But let's understand that while there may be a certain truth or reality to the pursuit of material goods or the pursuit of some level of, of, of prosperity, okay, or getting to that place of prosperity financially, um, given that the appropriate priority, giving material things in your life a, a balanced place, having said that, you don't pursue happiness. You find happiness not in this material stuff that's all in decay and all headed for the junkyard anyway. Happiness is found in the relationships, in love. Your relationship with other people, your relationship with animals, in the animal kingdom, your relationship with plants, food, and the vegetable kingdom, and your relationship with Mother Earth on the mineral level as well, your concern about the environment and the ecosystem, the life support system. This will bring you immediate happiness that need not be pursued. This redefines the American dream. Oh yeah, I forgot. The material stuff was supposed to be incidental. The whole point of this house and white picket fence and the station wagon, the SUV now, and the golden retriever, all of that was about becoming happy. And then I found that it didn't make me happy. <laughs> I've got it all, and I'm not happy. So-called midlife crisis. Well, no, that's because you're pursuing happiness as if it's a material thing or the result of getting them, and it's not. So have nice stuff. I wish you nice stuff. I wish you prosperity and abundance in your life. But let's remember that happiness is not to be pursued. There's an error in our, our declaration of independence here. You don't pursue happiness. You be happiness as a quality of love. You be love. You be peace. You be that consciousness. You see? that isn't so invested in things needing to be different and willing to watch them unfold as they are. All right? Now again, the mind tends to swing in the opposite direction. So if I'm not this goal-oriented, um, uh, greedy American capitalist, then the only other option is to be some sort of discalced monk in uh, sackcloth uh, in a monastery someplace with no possessions. <laughs> and no, I think there's a middle <laughs> there as well. Again, you are in the world, be in the world, but not of the world. The Sufi saying, near as I can tell. 
other people say it's Christian, but I, I don't know anybody. Nobody's been able to find it for me in the Bible. Even Google searches. Um, but it, it seems to be, as near as I can tell, a, a kind of a Sufi saying from Islam, to be in the world but not of the world. To, to have that level of, of detached, mindful awareness that says, yeah, this is my material stuff and and I enjoy having this, but it's not really what my life's about. You see, I have this guitar. It's a material thing. It has value. I had to pay money for it, right? But the whole point of it is to play music because it makes me happy. And sometimes other people listen and it makes them happy for no reason right there in the moment. It's not about the value of the guitar. <laughs> well, what you do with it, right? We got to redefine the American dream, starting with the pursuit of happiness. Uh, this is where gratitude and acceptance comes in. Remember, acceptance is not necessarily an ending point; it's a beginning point. You begin with it's like the starter blocks in a race. Uh, the runner gets his or her feet into the blocks here. That's acceptance that this is the starting line. You accept things as they are. You know, the serenity prayer, the wisdom to know the difference between what I can change and what I have absolutely no control over. To accept that as a place to begin. So people say, oh, I don't want to accept it, then I've given up. You know, acceptance is not giving up. It's a realistic starting point to initiate a whole new behavior. You see, but happiness is not the reward. Happiness is the way. You've heard it said there is no way to peace. Peace is the way. Well, there is no way to love. Love is the way, and there is no pursuit of happiness. There's no way to get to happiness. Happiness is the way. It is the path upon which you walk. It is through happiness that you breathe each breath and live each life. And as soon as you find yourself being emotionally influenced and swept off in one direction or another, it's an opportunity for us to bring ourselves back to conscious awareness, look at the feeling, use it to understand yourself, not any external stimulus. And as you understand what that feeling has to offer you, it'll go away. It'll leave you. And you'll be back to the fulfillment, the contentment, the happiness that was there all along. It's who you are. It's what you are. Looking for what you are is sort of silly. Looking for love when you are the love you're looking for. You know, that's what you're made out of. <laughs> and, and that's why it, it, it's so uh, hilarious to the mystic that people would look outside of themselves for love. And the sad uh, result of that is like the pursuit of happiness and the acquisition of material things, you never find it. You don't find love outside yourself. When you find someone that 
you believe loves you and you love them, what you're doing is stimulating the love in each other. The, the feelings of love you feel when they're around, that's your love, not theirs. <laughs> they're bringing it out of you. We feel like targets. We we think, oh, no, that's they brought that love to me. See, not at all. So we pursue love in the same way we pursue happiness. And uh, it's not a materialism. Finally, uh, as we go to the questions and comments now, I want to make reference to the Martin Luther King quote that I put in the newsletter this week about today's class when he talks about putting profit and property ahead of people. And his quote that when we do that, a three-headed monster rises out of it. Materialism, the most obvious, what we've been talking about today, uh, to a large degree, putting, again, property and stuff ahead of people. Militarism and racism, that these are three parts of the same thing. That with materialism comes militarism. And to see that the United States federal government is spending more on war and calling it a defense budget than all the other nations of the world combined, including China, which is a fifth of the world. Right? They have four times our population. The United States has more of its own people per capita in prison than any other nation in the world. Our standard of living varies from 4th to 12th, depending on whether it's adjusted for racial inequality. At best, we are fourth in the world, behind Norway, Australia, and New Zealand. With some accounts, we're 12th or even worse. Infant mortality, we rate 32nd in the world. One in six American children now suffer food insecurity on any given day. One in six American children live in poverty. ExxonMobil paid zero tax last year. 25% of American corporations paid absolutely no income tax, no corporate tax, one quarter of all American companies. And the other 75% used every loophole they could find to avoid paying taxes. We're about to incur another $700 billion, nearly three-quarters of a trillion-dollar debt over the next 10 years to extend the Bush tax cuts for the richest 1% in America. 
the top 2% are receiving 80% of the new wealth in America. And it goes on and on and on and on. Meanwhile, bridges are falling into rivers for lack of repair. Right, The roads are falling apart. We're riding around on uh, 20th century trains. China, Europe, these, these prosperous nations that have not burdened themselves with a military albatross have bullet trains that go hundreds of miles an hour. We're rattling along 19th century tracks. Right? All of this is born of materialism, of the, of the belief that the pursuit of happiness is the pursuit of materialism. And finally, the racism, you may not see a connection to racism, but when you put property ahead of people, then you tend to categorize some people as better than others. And that tends to happen on rather arbitrary grounds, like ethnicity, religion, uh, skin color. All of this, racism, militarism, imperialism, neocolonialism, hegemony, call it what you wish, is born of the materialism of believing that's what it's about. And we mock ourselves at the same time. We laugh about he who dies with the most toys wins. We say, you know, you can't really take it with you, and yet we spend our whole lives chasing it. Knowing all the while it's not fulfilling, it's not working, it's not fulfilling that promise of happiness. I'm pursuing happiness. I'm not getting there. And those that get there are baffled that they're not fulfilled. Wait a minute. I've got it all. Look at this kitchen counter. Not room for a single new convenience. Got a three-car garage filled with SUVs. Got two golden retrievers on a white picket fence. You know, 2.3 kids, whatever. Love my wife, love my husband, got a great job, something's missing. See? Try church. That does it for some people, but for many people, something's still missing. 25 to 30% of Americans now describe themselves as spiritual but not religious because they're still looking for that missing piece. And religion isn't providing or hasn't provided it for them, yet they still feel that longing that causes them to describe themselves as spiritual, if not religious. That longing for what? Love. And it's qualities like happiness, kindness, generosity and compassion, patience and tolerance, wisdom, truth. All right, let's go to your questions and comments. The American Dream 
is 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 available as understanding that uh, happiness and love is not to be pursued. That it's everywhere equally present. You are that. You can awaken to that with study, with meditation, and with mindfulness. This is what our retreat in February here in Maui is all about. It's a mindfulness retreat. First few days will be instruction to get rid of the jingle jangle of the city. We get rid of the negativity. Uh, the the stress, the anxiety. We'll understand where that comes from and how to release it. Second day, we'll work the law of attraction, teach you some critical thinking and some emotional intelligence skills. But on the morning of the third day, you will awaken mindfully. And on days three, four, and five, exercises, instruction, dialogues, various processes, including meditation, to create this expanded sense of awareness that you are that, not this. And you can watch it. You can learn to watch your breath without being the breather. You can learn to watch your thoughts without being the thinker. You can be the one that says yes to a thought or no to a thought instead of driven by your thoughts. You ever feel like you're the horse pulling the wagon and thoughts are up there with the whip driving you on? <laughs> you, know, I, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, more on the retreat. It's on the website, focusedpassion.com. There's a button, or theagelesswisdom.com. Both have buttons to the Maui retreat. And it's coming up, actually, it's coming up pretty quick, third week of February. We'll talk more about it in future weeks. All right, let's uh, first of all go to, uh, uh, let's see, questions on the web. Checking attendance here real quickly, and suddenly I'm lost. I'm not able to. Oh, yeah. Could it be this one that says Q&A? All right. John Bowles in Pittsburgh. Aloha, Michael. Hello, John Bowles. John doesn't have any question or comment. He's just saying aloha today. So is Carol Postel in La Habra, Phil Jaffe in Canova Park. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's talking about Bush's, uh, George W. Bush's comment after 9-11 that you're either with us or against us. It's classic uh, binary thinking. Sometimes it's called monarchism, the idea of everything or nothing, right? Only two colors in the crayon box, <laughs> black or white. Uh, Lorelai in Tucson. Hello, Lorelai. She says, aloha, Michael. Advertising is the big lie, making us believe if we had what they're selling, it would make our life complete. Uh, thanks for the great class. Peace and love to you, Andreen. Thank you, Lorelai. Aloha. In Del Mar, California, Rob Fiegel says aloha. Uh, it seems it is never the things I do. 
the things the things I don't do or try in great class have a magical week of peace. Uh, let's see who else. Judy Craft is with us in Southern California. She says, "Hi, Michael. Enjoyed the class today. Sending my deposit for the Maui retreat this week. Excellent." Excellent. Looking forward to that, Judy. Uh, let's see. Bill Jaffe's reminding us of the story of stuff. That's a great, I think it's just storyofstuff.com, or it might be storyofstuff.org. I'll bet it's .org. Story of stuff. And uh, that's about, it's a cute little film, 20 minutes long or so. And it's about four or five years old. They've done others now, um, all about this consumer-based society of conspicuous consumption and and uh, and waste disposal, just throwing stuff away. And you know, computers and our electronic gadgets are a big part of that. Um, you know, we're still throwing big lighters in the landfill. And um, the plastic water bottles, it's insane. Um, Bill Maher had something on this week about a, they finally got this biodegradable bag that would keep chips uh, fresh, but the bag was so noisy that the company decided not to sell, uh, to use it as a container in the United States. Canada, yes or how loud the bag is doesn't matter, but the, <laughs> the U.S. consumer is so spoiled, they might not buy the bag if it made too much noise uh, when they opened it or reached into the bag for a chip. It's crazy. But it was biodegradable. It would have just turned into dirt. It's, <laughs> I don't know what you do with that. At some point, you got to laugh to keep from crying. Um Yvonne in Los Angeles is with us. She says, Aloha, Michael. Great segment. See you Thursday. Yvonne is usually with us on the Thursday video conference at Zorap.com. See your newsletter if you haven't ever done that. Join us Thursday evenings for the video conference. And Los Osos, Philip says, Great show. I enjoyed last week. Also, glad you're feeling better. I am Philip. Thank you. Feeling better every day in LA. Patricia, Aloha, Michael and Doreen. Good show. Mindfulness is everything. Glad you talked about it. We just need to be reminded of it now and then. Some of us, anyway. Yes, all of us, Patricia. All of us. That's the whole idea. It's so easy, uh, inevitable, unavoidable, getting sucked back into the trance. It's we just have to continue the practice of snapping ourselves out of it, which is why a daily meditation exercise is such a good idea. Um, checking the phones, I don't see any hands raised at this point, but it's nice to see you. I'm looking at uh, the cities you're from. I don't see your names, but it's nice to see you on there. So, Let's do a guided imagery exercise, and uh, we'll conclude the class. We're coming up at the top of the hour. Uh, 
So if this is a good time for you, I want you to, uh, to get comfortable. I want to caution you, if you're driving, while you listen to this, either live today, November 14th, 2010, or by podcast, if you're driving at this point, uh, I'd caution you to think twice about listening to this exercise. It's not going to put you into some sort of deep trance that will prevent you from driving, but it could slow your uh, reaction time. And so generally I think it's a good idea not, if you're driving, not to uh, to listen to this part of the show, but to wait until you're in a safe and comfortable place. Do a couple of shoulder shrugs and some head rolls. And without sitting rigid, sit balanced, erect and balanced, aligned in a comfortable and balanced way. As you take a nice, slow, deep breath, inhaling, fill your lungs, hold as you peak. Exhale slowly, slowly, going beyond where you'd normally stop. Pause for just a moment and take another nice, slow, deep breath. Each time a little more slowly. And as you exhale, feel the letting go in your body. As you inhale, pull in strength and a sense of power as you fill yourself. Hold for just a moment, and as you exhale, ah, you let all that go. Ah, just feel the letting go in your body. And as you allow your breathing to find its natural and normal rhythm now, Just let your body breathe itself. Continue the letting go feeling. You're in control of the letting go. As you relax your scalp, you'll feel the space around your ears sag or droop a little bit. Feel that wonderful letting go feeling run all the way down your spine through the core of your being and into the earth through the cushion the chair the floor right into the earth feeling grounded and connected in fact if you wish you can imagine around you a beautiful place, a garden or a wilderness. You could be in a shady spot beneath a tree or in the midst of a beautiful sunny meadow and feel the warmth of the sun upon your face and your arms. And it's just right, perfect temperature. Or if you're in a cool, shady spot, maybe in a forested place, perhaps beside some water, you feel the coolness of this place. 
and allowing my voice to go with you, hear birds singing. It's that easy. The feeling you're making it up is exactly right. Listen for the whisper of gentle breezes in the tops of the tallest trees. As you feel this wonderful peace descending over you. This feeling that there's really nowhere else you'd rather be, at least for the next five or ten minutes. There's no place else you need to be. There's nothing else you need to be doing, so don't just do something. Sit there. Watch your breath. At the bottom of your nose, just become interested for less than one minute. Become interested in the way in which your body breathes itself all by itself. Watch it. Allow it. Trust your breathing. And you let go of one more concern. Trust that your heart is beating and blood is circulating with oxygen and nutrients to every cell in your body. You know that's happening. It always has. Not through any effort. And so, trust that process. Let go of another concern. In the same way, as you bring to mind or find forced upon your awareness problems, Circumstances and events that are different than you'd like them to be. You want to change them. You desire that things be different in these areas. Trust that these circumstances already contain solutions. As surely as a plant can bring forth fruit and a seed to replicate the plant, consider that the seeds of the solution is unfolded within every problem you can imagine, and that it is unfolding. And maybe all you have to do is watch it. And tormenting yourself and and telling yourself that you have to force it to be this way or that may not be true at all. 
If you just watch it, it may solve itself. And when you start telling yourself all the stories about how things could go wrong, story after story after story, of how this could fall apart and go south on you, let go of the stories and just say, maybe not. Maybe all things are exactly as they should be, in spite of appearance. What if I just watched? Not as a way of doing nothing, but as a way of initiating a conscious behavior rather than reacting knee-jerk out of fear and ignorance. Initiating a behavior that supports the idea that every one of your problems is resolving itself right now, all by itself. And instead of fighting and clawing and scraping our way through a minefield of problems in life, we can embrace them, hold them close, and waltz them across the dance floor. These problems, you say. We live in a material world and the pursuit of material goods makes sense, but keep it in balance. And know that the pursuit of happiness is a misstatement. That happiness is not the result of success, but the means of creating success. Success does not create happiness. Happiness creates Success. Happiness is the way. Peace is the way. Love is the way, the via, the road, the path, the means, the ways and means. The now. Happy now for no reason. Why would you reason with happiness? Is it a quality of logic? Or is it largely emotional in nature? Why would you reason with an emotion? Why do you need reasons to feel the way you feel? Happiness is supposed to be the norm. That's on target. That's walking down the middle of the path. Happy now. Knowing that all of these problems are working themselves out. If you just watch them, the behavior you're supposed to be taking to promote that, you initiate from a confident, happy place rather than the knee-jerk reaction out of fear. It's not that the wise person does nothing. After accepting the truth 
of a situation, the wise person chooses to work with the flow, with the Tao, with the Dharma, with this path that is happiness, that is peace, that is love. Create the peace, create the love, create the happiness, allow it. It's always here in the present moment. It doesn't have reasons. It doesn't need reasons. Feel that. Trust your life. You trust your breath. You trust your heart. You trust your immune system to keep you healthy. Trust that your life is unfolding exactly as it should. That you can amplify it and accelerate it by putting your attention on loving yourself, being happy for no reason, accepting the truth of the present moment, and sharing your love creatively, enthusiastically with your friends and your family and your neighbors and your community and humanity at large to the exclusion of no one. Real happiness, real love is in people, in relationships, in caring, in sharing, in contributing. Material stuff, that's over here. That's not going to bring you happiness. Happiness might bring you some of it. Keep it in context. It, too, is merely a means to an end. To know yourself, to grow yourself, and to express yourself lovingly and creatively in service to humanity and the one life. Feel yourself emanating that effortlessly. And bring that sense of happiness and the dream, the new American dream, a paradigm shift, an elevation of consciousness, caring more about people than things. Could it be that simple? Yeah. Bring that with you effortlessly back into the room as you reorient yourself to the room you'll see in a moment when you open your eyes. Take a nice, slow, deep breath. Hold as you peek. And as you exhale now, open your eyes wide awake, alert, rested, refreshed, back in the room, feeling fine, better than before. Take another nice breath. Ah, there you go. The American dream in the pursuit of happiness. Happiness is the way. Okay? Ponder this whole idea. Success does not make you happy. Happiness makes you successful. Happiness is the way. It's a quality of love, as is peace, truth, wisdom, generosity, kindness, compassion, patience, and tolerance and so many others, qualities of love as consciousness. All right, right, gang, thanks so much for being here today. Again, um, 
You know, this is available by podcast. You may be listening to us as a podcast. If you get a chance to comment on the iTunes store, I'd really love it. Some new updated comments. If you've never put a comment in there about what you like about this program, that helps attract new people, and we grow that way. That's a good thing. Check FocusedPassion.com. We also have on the iTunes store a free podcast of Finding Yourself in Paradise. It's a 10-session sample you can pick up at the iTunes store or other podcast directories, and you can, you can sample our series that way. Otherwise, the subscription is only 99 cents a week if you decide you like it. And back issues is about 150 programs with Steve and I. It's a lot like this, Mystery School, but it's compelling conversation. It's two of us going back and forth and bouncing ideas off each other. And each of those programs also contains a guided imagery or visualization exercise to help you install the lesson. Okay. And those are all available for uh, 99 cents, right? Five bucks, you get five of them. I think that's a pretty, cool, uh, pretty good deal. Focusedpassion.com. And either website, check out the Maui Retreat, the Mindfulness Retreat, coming up uh, starting February 13th, the third week in February. That's uh, Maui Mindfulness Retreat. And you'll see the button at either one of our sister sites, focusedpassion.com or theagelesswisdom.com. Join us Thursday night also, if you can, for the video conference. All the information you need is in the newsletter, and uh, you can get that at focusedpassion.com by just saying it's going to be the free stuff or at The Ageless Wisdom. Okay, big button says free newsletter. The W's dot the ageless wisdom dot com. Click on free newsletter. As always, be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. This is Michael Benner. Aloha from Maui. <laughs>